0: when you discover that a truth that is not even that hidden, but because we don't have time and we are caught in our lives and in our echo chambers, when you understand that a whole food plant based diet can not only prevent, but reverse heart disease, diabetes, and this has been known for decades, I mean, this, this is a crazy thing, actually, to, to see, to understand, to accept. Welcome
1: back, everybody, to the Eat Green, Make Green podcast. This is Pat McCauley, as always. My guest this week is the inspiring and powerful Rebecca Capelli. Rebecca is a Singapore-based award-winning filmmaker and speaker. She is most recently known for the documentary Let Us Be Heroes, uh, which aired on YouTube on the Plant-Based News uh, channel um, on YouTube, and you can also watch it on her site, uh, letusbeheroes.com, for free. And with literally little to no advertising to speak of, Um, It has almost half a million uh, views over the past two years. Um, And it's just a really um, well-done film that I highly encourage you check out. And I will leave uh, links to uh, the documentary in the show notes. So I met Rebecca um, in 2016 in Singapore when I was there for my business. And I spent kind of like a year traveling back and forth uh, from Singapore and, um, I was, you know, kind of meeting new people and, you know, went to a few different like vegan, um, meetups and things like that. And I met Rebecca at one of them. Um, and we were both kind of at the beginning of our journeys of kind of how we wanted to, you know, use our voice and, um, you know, make impact, uh, with kind of our new, relatively new knowledge and, and belief system and, Um, she has gone on to, you know, do these incredible films and speak all over Asia. She has an amazing Ted talk as well, um, that I'll also leave links to. Um, and it's just been really cool to see all the amazing work, uh, that she's done. Um, so anyway, we talk about how rescuing a dog from a Chinese dog meat trade market shifted, uh, the path of her life. Why change is not becoming someone else, but becoming who we are. Why the truth is. Is hidden in plain sight. Why she decided to start speaking and making films. Why people choose suffering over change. Why it's not normal to be sick. The power of fruit. All about her award-winning documentary. Let us be heroes. Why we need to stop suppressing our natural human emotions. Uh, the fast-growing plant-based scene in Singapore. Um, her tips for leading a healthy, uh, a healthier life. Um, and why now, more than ever, is the time to rise up. Awesome episode with an awesome human being, and I will let her tell the rest here. Um, follow her at Let Us Be Heroes um, on social media. Without further ado, the powerful Rebecca Capelli. it is your currency. All right. I have Rebecca with me. And I was, as I was kind of preparing, I was thinking back to uh, the first time we met. And I think it was 2016, if I'm right, maybe, maybe 2017, but I'm pretty sure is the end of 2016. And I was... In Singapore, uh, at the time for for work, and I just went to like a, a vegan meetup uh, through Animal Allies there. And M- Michael Broadhead, I made the mistake of telling him, "Yeah, I'd tell my story." Uh, <laughs> it was like one of the first few times I had like told it, and I'm like crying and everything. And um, yeah. and, then, and then I met you after, and have since learned you you've had a a very similar experience around food and. Um, we, we've kept in touch. And um, yeah, I feel like this is a long time coming. I know we've tried to do it in person a few times over the years. So it's, it's, it's beautiful to finally make it happen. And welcome.
0: Yes, thank you so much. And it, yeah, it makes it so special since we've met in person at a time where we were both um, at the beginning, I would say of our journey, right? Like in, in some ways, uh, not our plant-based journey or vegan journey, but more about the things that we would set to do Um, so that that's really exciting Um, I'm glad to be here thank you
1: yeah thank you so I'd love to uh, take it back a little bit and I'd like to um, let people understand kind of what your what path you were sort of on in life and at what point like it shifted
0: right Okay. You know, I think when you tell a story, there's so many starting points um, that that you can choose. But I would say that, um, okay, so growing up, I was always very, very connected to animals. And I had a deep, deep empathy um, for everything around me. But um, I think the world that we live in is not really supportive of, you know, deep empath and introverted people in general. So I think I, I kept a lot of it inside of me. And I think really early on, I I found or my interpretation was that having such deep empathy was quite painful with everything that was going on in the world and feeling so deeply everything was some kind of weakness. So I suppressed it. And then Growing up, I think um, we were under some uh, financial pressure and the only way to get out of uh, a mess um, that we were in my family. So just to backtrack a little bit, my dad passed when I was 16. My mother was a young widow. She was 40 years old with four kids aged from 16, myself, all down to six year old for my little brother. And so suddenly she had to care uh, for the whole family. And thankfully, we were in France. So, you know, uh, the edu- access to education is almost free, pretty much free. So, so that was great. And we were so privileged in that sense. But there was very much, you know, a, a lot of pressure financially, emotionally as well. So I set myself to really um, do well by the criteria of success that are or were defined even so, more so at that time, which are you work hard, you have a good salary, and then you buy stuff. Right. Like you afford stuff and you build for yourself, you provide for your family, et cetera. So for me, my, um, I was also very privileged in the way that my father was a visionary and he knew that China was coming of, uh, in power. It was going to become a very uh, important uh, country at a time where everybody was laughing at that idea. And so I started learning Chinese very young. Um, so I, I really poured myself into my career learning Chinese. I was an interpreter, a French-Chinese interpreter, very young. I did uh, government level, um, commercial, private. Um, I, I did a lot uh, on the side of my studies. And um, and then when I was done graduating, then I moved to China. I worked in diplomacy really quickly. I realized that this is not a place where um, you can uh, be the best at what you do and be rewarded on that basis. <laughs> so I quit that and I had started in the, in the private sector. So very much by, by the time that before the years leading up to my path shifting, I was very much into, um, you know, working really hard, you know, partying really hard in Shanghai and in Beijing before that, um, consuming everything that I could not afford before. So, you know, buying a lot of stuff, buying a lot of fashion, going to nice restaurants. And um, yeah, so that was really much what my life was about. <laughs> and I think the, maybe the turning point was when I adopted my dog in, in China. So um, I was looking at that time to actually buy a puppy And I went online and I realized that I found information that, okay, buying puppies is not a good thing. And there are so many dogs in shelters. And so I landed in this, um, organization page and I saw his picture and that was it. I'm like, this is my dog dog of my life. I'm going to adopt him. And so he was rescued from dog meat. He was not in the dog meat trade, but he was raised on a construction site in Shanghai where he was going to be eaten in the winter. And there was this Chinese lady that on her way to work, she would walk by this construction site. And um, one day she asked the workers, what are you going to do with all these dogs? And they said, well, right now they're guarding the site, but a few months down the line, uh, when they grow bigger, we're going to eat them in the winter. And so she bought them out, rescued them, placed them in in homes. And um, my one was uh, the last one to be adopted because... I don't know. He was, I mean, he was meant for me, I guess. That's why. So, um, and so I think that was really a turning point for me to number one, be aware of the dog meat trade and the fact that, okay, you know, starting to have this idea of, Oh, this is crazy that some people would eat a dog. And if you see a stray in the street, even in Shanghai, which is a very international, beautiful, you know, amazing city, but even in this kind of environment, a stray could be snatched up and sent to slaughter somewhere. So it started to really give me this consciousness of okay, if I see a stray, I'm going to rescue them because you know they can be slaughtered and they can be eaten. And I think you know I so that opened um, this consciousness in me, and I think it really created a breach. To reconnect back to who I was, you know, as a kid and this person who is feeling very deeply everything. Of course, at that time, you know, you don't see it just yet. It, it takes a little bit of time to build. And and really, for me, the thing that really shifted things was after. So I would never get out of my way to volunteer on the weekend or anything like that. But whenever I would find an animal. Um, a cat or a dog, mostly, um, I would just drop everything I'm doing at that point, rescue them, get them to a vet, get them showered, fi- find them a home. Um, and I did that several times in, in China. And so that gave me this kind of you know, sensitivity um, back again. And so there was a case of uh, someone I knew back in Europe who had adopted a dog and couldn't take care of that dog really well. Um, but that dog wasn't spayed. And she ran off one day and she came back later and she was pregnant. And the the people decided, because they were under a lot of stress financially and they couldn't take care of it, of the puppies, um, they decided to take the dog to have an abortion. And I didn't even know that was existing. I didn't know that vets could perform abortion in dogs. Uh, And I think a lot of people don't know that. Um, When I learned that, I really begged this person to not do it you know to just to explain to them you know animals can feel it's not okay to just you know her belly is already fully grown and they are moving in her belly and I was emotional at that time I just had my daughter so I think you know it was this kind of thing happening at the same time and I was trying to explain to this person don't do that but it was already scheduled for that day so uh, the dog was taken she had this abortion of stillborn 12 puppies which is horrific and that shocked me into becoming more conscious and i realized that as humans it's not that we are bad people and we do bad things all the time it is that convenience takes over and over everything else and we choose convenience over empathy or, you know, we just do things because we don't think, we don't question really our choices and how they impact others. And all that was really happening really, really quickly in my heart, in my mind. It's like the heart is reconnecting to the mind, right? Like this communication pathway is opening up. And, and at that moment I realized, okay, so all my life, I've been really feeling deeply about all the wrong that is happening in the world, all the injustice, all the pain, but I have a choice, I actually do have a choice and I can remove myself from this equation of creating more suffering. I want to be someone who is more conscious and could to contribute actively to more good rather than mindlessly carrying on with my life and not thinking about anything I'm doing. And I was sitting down at a Japanese restaurant. (laughs) I was at a um, barbecue (laughs) Chinese, Japanese restaurant with my husband, with my in-laws And suddenly like tears falling down and I I asked the chef, please just give me rice and veggies like, okay, I'm going to become vegan. I don't know any vegan. I don't know what it is about, but some people are doing it. So the least I can do at least is to really recognize this is flesh. This is body parts. This is suffering. I don't want suffering in my life anymore. I don't want to contribute to that. And that happened pretty instantly. After that, I educated myself. And I realized how, yes, like the impact on our health, impact on the planet as well. And the scale of which, you know, what we are doing, um, the scale of what we are doing to the animals. Um, And to this day, I think for anyone who is looking into that topic, you know, our relationships to animals, to this day, you can study this for years and years and years and still discover some more horrific things that we are doing to the animals.
1: Yeah. So you, you mentioned, and you kind of hinted at it there about returning to kind of your default human settings. Um, in, in, I know in your Ted talk, you mentioned, um, that we're all born, uh, with with compassion and we're all born vegan. Can you talk about kind of what you mean by that?
0: What I mean by that is that the way that we see change in general in a society is we see change as something that is really difficult to achieve, that is really cumbersome, that is a hassle. Um, You know, we think about what are people going to think about us or how am I going to deal with things? But but if we take a decision from the heart, we really just realize that change is just a simple part of evolution. Change is becoming who we are. This is what I believe. Change is not becoming someone else. Change is becoming more and more who we are. And so I, I do think when I observe kids and we, when we observe children that we are all born with the sense that, okay, pain is bad. We don't want to create pain. And of course, some have more, are more sensitive to others, to that concept and to this uh, fact um, but I don't think we are born, most of us, with the, um, the desire to inflict pain and create suffering um, all the time, right? So this is something that is more like a learned behavior, a suppressed behavior, a hidden behavior, actually, a hidden impact of what we are doing. And becoming vegan is really, I think, the least we can do in terms of aligning ourselves with our true nature. The other thing that I want to share is that I don't believe that human is a species that is an omnivore at all. And it's not just a personal belief. I think we just have to observe the anatomy of you know, of human beings, uh, the instinct that we have. And when we watch either a Slaughterhouse video or when we take a stroll in the park and we see a squirrel, our instinct is not one of a, of an omnivore. We don't want to run off catch a squirrel start eating it you know that that's not who we are and so i think the change that we need to embrace is really to become who we are individually and and as a collective
1: Hmm. yeah yeah very very well said when at what point did you sort of connect this all back um to your father and, and the kind of health side of things you make this connection to to animals, you start kind of digging in and, and doing research, like how much further down the line do you kind of, does that come full circle and kind of connect back to yes. know, a loved one being taken from you too soon?
0: So I think very quickly because honestly, so for me, again, this consciousness was what happened so spontaneously. It was instant. And so I was in shock. It's like really you're living with, you know, half sleeping most of your life. And then suddenly you are awakened to some truth that is right under our nose everywhere you go. One day I have meat in my fridge. The next day I open it and it's body parts in my fridge, actually. So that happened very quickly. And, and so I was in shock. And so the I, I wanted to understand how did I live my whole life without seeing this? And so I really, really, I don't know how many hours I spent researching, learning, educating myself, listening to everyone who had something to say on the topic from, um, of course, the animals, but also health and, um, and the planet. And I think very quickly, it's when you discover that a truth that is not even that hidden but because we don't have time and we are caught in our lives and in, in, in our echo chambers, when you understand that a whole food plant based diet can not only prevent, but reverse heart disease, diabetes, um, and this has been known for decades. I mean, this is, this is a crazy thing actually to, to see, to understand, to accept. And to understand the, really the, the role that diet has, the lifestyle has into, you know, supporting disease, creating disease, um, or, you know, reversing it. My dad died of uh, brain tumors. So, of course, uh, the, so he never smoked in his life. He never drank alcohol, maybe one glass of alcohol um, a year. He was definitely under some stress, um, but and also there is the past. Uh, but but yeah, a big part was diet. You know, uh, I was raised, of course, everything was free range organic. It was really quality produced. But at the same time, you know, it was a lot of meat, and it was a lot of cheese, and it was a lot of butter everywhere. It was a lot of, I don't know, everything. So the way that I grew up myself as well, you know, cooking for my family and maybe identifying to my dad or something like that, I was a very big meat eater. Um, I was probably eating the most meat amongst all my girlfriends for sure. And even some of my guy friends. So I think when I realized how, yeah, this connection where, oh, you have this information that could have saved a loved one, I think it's a very powerful thing. Because for me, I really accept the path. We are all in a path and on a path. And I accept that I had an amazing father. And yes, he was taking for me by some standards too early. But it's also divine timing in terms of this is the path. And this made me who I am. And it's you know put me in situations that, that were hard for sure. But that, these, those situations also helped me grow into the person that I am. So I can never look back and regret or live in the past or anything like that. But what that really gave me is, whoa, there are a lot of people out there who don't have to go through this kind of suffering and more people should know about that. We all should have access to this information. Now, what people do with this information will depend on their choice, on their free will, Right. But at least I really felt a deep responsibility very quickly to share this information. And I always believed even since I was a kid that if we can alleviate some kind of suffering in the world, if we can really make even one person's life even a little bit better, uh, then that is a a life worth living. That's always been my criteria of success. Although I I forgotten it when (laughs) I was busy building something else. Um, so going back to that, um, I decided to train myself as a public speaker and to give talks for free to people in their workplace, in their school, just because I wish someone came in my office one day and say, hey, you know, you have one hour of lunch. I'm going to give you a talk and you're going to learn about how what you eat is impacting your health and the planet. And by the way, this is what we are, going, we are, we are doing to the animals as well. Interestingly, I thought launching into that, that I would have a lot of resistance to this message, that people would not, you know, listen to me. And I surveyed actually the first 30 of my talks that I gave to schools and to, um, again, uh, businesses. And I was really surprised to see over and over, regardless of the audience, that 80% of the people after my talks would say, again, it's declarative, it's worth what it's worth, but would say, I am willing to reduce my consumption of animal products after just, you know, one hour of being exposed to this information. Um, And that encouraged me to do more.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love it. And then comes the the million dollar question Mm -hmm. of once that person has that information, right, they know what those decisions do for their health, they know that they are taking a life when they eat those products or consume those products. They know they're doing damage to the planet, right, that the knowledge is there. Um, I ask this all the time, but what why do you think so many people still cannot change the day to day habit? What do you think that is?
0: There's so many answers to that question. Um, I think a big one is peer pressure from the social conditions. Like we do things because people do things so the norm is eating animals so most people will you know don't want to stand out and don't want to explain themselves so or we'll go out of the way or you know take more time to research stuff that is accessible i am always very surprised by people after my talks asking for recipes i mean have you heard of looking stuff up online uh, it's it's really <laughs> not accessible
1: i get i get that all the time like i'm at the point where i'm just like I can't help you. Like if you if you need me to send you a recipe, I already know you're not going to, like, take the bull by the horns and and take control of your life, you know.
0: Exactly. And I think that comes down to are you, you know, being autonomous and and okay, you understand that this information. So I think there's two, there's several things. There's knowing and there's understanding and being conscious about something. I think you can have access to an information, but it doesn't register in your heart. And until it does, then you're likely not to change your behavior, at least not right away. So it's true that we don't know. I don't know when I give a talk. Um, I had people in tears at the end saying, wow, oh, it's really amazing. I want to change my life. And the next week, Uh, somehow we connected on Facebook and you know they're cooking bacon and stuff so you know I think it's 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 important to understand that um, for me I'm not attached to the outcome it's almost like a paradox but I'm here my role is to share that information and what people do with that information belongs to them and it belongs to their past a lot of people are also attached to suffering and being in a position of being a victim. And unless people are ready to let go of this position, we cannot walk the path for them. A lot of people are not ready to heal. A lot of people will be in a situation where they are suffering greatly and they are shown an alternative, you know, a, a natural healing path. But the natural healing path requires, you know, responsibility accountability self-accountability it really requires you to walk that path and to to make this effort for yourself so you need to at the root embrace safe self-love and the instinct of survival that you have and i think a lot of people are not ready for that just because they deep down it's it's they're not ready for that level of healing. And it's not because they are bad people or because they are inferior or anything like that. I think it's because um, there's this attachment to the suffering and they have their own emotional baggage and their own experience. And it's very hard for them to, to embrace uh, a beautiful way of life or to believe that they can live, you know, a better life free of, you know, suffering when it comes to their own health.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's certainly a tough one with like close friends and family when you see them suffering, you know, and, and you feel like you, you have all the answers and you, you, you know, the path and the steps they need to take to, you know, to halt the suffering and it's painful to watch, but you, you do just have to respect, um, their path and, and, and their choices and, and you know, help, help where you can. Um, but yeah, it is, it is a tough, that's something I certainly struggle with, you know, especially with family that obviously have all the information. And I feel like I just, I know the tools, like I I know the path that will alleviate what they're suffering from. And it just, it's a tough one. There's not, there's not a good answer to that um, other than just, yeah, everybody's on their own path.
0: I think, One way that I used to feel is and sometimes, not anymore, but I used to feel that, you know, it's like when you're having a nightmare and you're screaming something and nobody can hear you, Mm. (laughs) you know, (laughs) it does feel a little bit like that. It did feel a little bit like that. So, um, but I did have also some beautiful, um, some beautiful healing. So my mother uh, was diagnosed with Crohn's at some point and she did embrace the natural path and which entailed, a lot of juicing, a lot of raw vegan, um, you know, meditations and all the works, and she did heal very quickly. When doctors tell you, "Oh, you're going to suffer from Crohn's for the rest of your life," she did heal. She's fine. Mm. So, but again, it's it's something that you need to embrace. And on the other hand, we also have people that they know and they feel better and they start, you know, losing the weight and feeling better, breathing better, but they go back in the cycle. And I think it's really important to not judge the past. I'm not talking about judgment of the person, but understanding that for me, I really came to a point of it, just because someone chooses the suffering, it doesn't mean that it's bad. It is their learning. And we need to not judge things as this is good, this is bad. What, it, what I struggle with though, is that, okay, you're hurting yourself, but if you're hurting the animals in the process, and hurting us as a collective, hurting the planet, then there's a. I, I do have um, still a frustration with with that part, of course. Um, but when it comes to personal accountability and healing, then it's it's a very very personal path that we can't walk uh, in, instead of people.
1: Mm, yeah. yeah. As, as you were talking, I was thinking like you know we mentioned earlier you know, getting back to the default settings of of being human. And it's like, you know, the default setting of the human body is, is one that's thriving. And it's really just like coming back to the default settings and and getting out of the way. So the body can heal itself. And we just never get out of the way. And, in you know, with your mom's experience there of like very fast healing you know it happens fast and it's just like and it's the same with the earth you know when you know we saw that during covid of like we finally everybody stayed inside and then there were signs of life and it it everything can heal so fast if you know we can just get out of its way
0: yes if we let it that that's very true um that that's really really true um it's it's about getting out of the way but it's also about Yeah, as you say, you know, the the default of the human body is homeostasis, is feeling good. I when I I have to tell people in my talks, you are not meant to have a food coma, to feel sluggish, to have digestive issues, to be constipated. This is not normal. This is not good, you know? Even before you get to, you know, a chronic disease, like these signs are not signs of normal good health, you know?
1: Mm, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, um... I would love to know personally, like what has changed for you with your health and your life since you went whole food plant-based?
0: So I think that the first thing was really more energy, definitely, and I think that's what everybody says, right? You just have more energy, have more clarity. Um, You become more productive in a way. um, So physically, I think, so I was never really sick, but, you know, especially during my years in China, I, once a month, I would be in bed for three days because, you know, low blood pressure and feeling just really, really tired. Um, then it became just every three months or so, so that was gone. Um, so I think when you start feeling really good, you really notice, oh, actually, I was not feeling that good before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so even be without being sick. I just realized. Okay, now that's the benchmark, and the benchmark is different. That's how you're meant to feel. Um, you can go to lunch. You can have a big meal if you know you just feel like eating a lot. I um, oh, you're hungry, and and you never feel bad about it. You never feel you know. I mean that that's really special. So I think the feeling good, feeling more energy, um, better skin, obviously um, that that was really really good. I had. Um, And then I have to say, I I injured myself three, almost four years ago, three and a half years ago, doing a headstand, not being a yogi, plus having probably a genetic weakness at the brainstem, at the neck, um, not knowing that at the time. (laughs) And that threw me into a really, really um, dark night of the soul, because suddenly overnight I had really um, worrying symptoms, really bad headaches, vertigo, dizziness. it was really bad, like exhausted. And of course, you know, around you people, well, you're vegan, you know, <laughs> maybe you should change your diet. But I knew it had nothing to do with that at some point. So it took me a few months and seeing all the doctors around me, um, all the doctors I could to realize to be diagnosed actually by an osteopath who told me, well, actually you compressed something at your neck level. And this is what's going on. You don't have enough blood flow to the To the brain to the head your lymphatic flow is impacted your vagus nerve is impacted and that's when i realized the limits of the the western uh, type of, of medicine that is brilliant for when you need a surgery when you have something acute you have you know an infection you want those antibiotics you want those you know doctors but for anything chronic nobody could tell me anything about what was going on. I was prescribed Xanax to calm my anxiety and my panic attacks, but it had nothing to do, and I didn't take it, um, but it had nothing to do, you know, the doctors would tell me, oh, it's in your head. It's just stress. No, it's not stress. I know my body. I'm not really stressed in my life right now. It was really something that I had to turn to the rest. So for me, it really went into cleaning my diet further. So whole food plant-based is great when as a maintenance diet uh, to reverse prevent heart disease, diabetes, even prevent cancers. But if you are really, really in the deep of something tough, um, there are a lot of great successes with people going raw vegan, eating more fruits, embracing more fasting. And that's what I did alongside other so-called alternative therapies, um, traditional Chinese medicine with meridian therapy and of course, meditation and all these things. So the last three and a half years, um, I've been embracing a, a slightly different journey, um, of course, vegan uh, for the animals and everything. But I think it's really important to understand, again, as you said, you know, getting out of the way and getting down to simplicity and instead of having a meal with 15 ingredients, Maybe you're eating one kind of thing at a time and it really gives your body that rest needed to go and heal everything else. So now I'm at the point where I'm feeling, again, great energy. I can work 12, 13 hours a day. And yes, of course, I'm tired of the end of the day because maybe I worked out and I woke up at six something and I worked for 12 hours. Um, but it's really nice to, to feel your body sleeping better, digesting better, responding better to everything, right? Like more. And then you live more intuitively with your body. So it's, it's a beautiful journey. I think you can achieve that, of course, with a whole food plant-based diet, but for anyone struggling with something deeper that, you know, is complicated, I think it's really worth looking into, um, Raw vegan and fruits and herbs. Mm.
1: Yeah, there's a reason why it's called a, a juice cleanse, right? Um, you know, and not a and not a rice and beans cleanse. There, there's there's obviously like massive power. And I've done like, you know, I've I've done over like a whole month just fruit, and it was the the most alive I have ever felt in my life. You know literally just, just juices and fruit. And um, yeah, and and it's too bad, right, that these misconceptions exist around, like, you know, I I did like five weeks, all fruit and juice, right. And, you know, I'm somebody that works out a lot. I'm I'm very active, right. And it didn't hinder any of those things. It elevated all those things. And we're so like, misled with protein and all these like things yes. we think we need right we think we need all these things and um the macronutrients and we get so confused by it all um that we don't even think you know living off of fruit like you you'll die you know <laughs> that's what people think and um you know and yes, most no. people don't commit to experience what that actually feels like when you are doing all raw fruits and vegetables.
0: And and I think, yes, and I think that's really something that I try to apply myself also on things that I have not experienced. But when we have not experienced something, it's really hard to judge it and to have a definite answer on Mm. it, especially since so many people are saying, well, this is the miracle that I am living, you know? So um, I would say that the problem, I mean, I think this is something, first of all, that even the vegan community is not ready to accept. Uh, because there are so many misconceptions, they also, um, there's also a bad reputation from some, you know, YouTubers and, you know, influencers who said they went raw, and then they were under eating. So they run into health problems. And instead of eating more, <laughs> they just, you know, go back to eating chicken and, and, and eggs and, and, and fish and all of that. So, um, b- but I think it's really um important to really consider fruits, herbs, a bit of fasting when it comes to healing and just to really see how, how good you can feel. One thing I would say, though, is that it's, it can be really expensive because sadly, uh, we live in a world where the good stuff is not subsidized. So if you are going to leave off fruits for a while and if you are not in a climate or in an environment where it grows you know, all around you, uh, this can have a really strong cost. So I, I would say for anyone who is... Curious, I want to embrace that. Eating the fruits is very, very powerful. You don't have to juice; um, you can just eat the fruits, drink a lot of water, and you know th- that that already in itself is extremely healing. You don't have to go on a long juice cleanse or anything. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. If your if your life is on the line, you know that yes. that's the time to um, go. Maybe what some people would consider extreme. With with the raw whole plant foods, but yeah, I certainly um, eat cooked foods of of all kinds and plants and, and, and vegetables and all that. And but when I'm feeling off, I, that's what I default back to. You know, it's like okay, I'm up in my fruit, more juices, like because I know that gets me back to where I need to be quicker.
0: And I think that's a great default to look at. And uh, we need to talk about this, I think, a little more. So for me, um, now I came to the point where I'm eating mostly fruits until dinner, and then I will have cooked foods. I'm not against falafels, you know, <laughs> I love it. So I, I'll, I'll be fine. But I, I think it's really about finding that balance. Again, if you are not in a dire, extreme situation of everybody regardless whether you're plant-based or not can benefit from having more fruits in their diet. One type of fruit at a time, ripe fruits, empty stomach. Everybody should, you know, would benefit from having that hydration, that fiber, that nutrients uh, and just feeling so good about it.
1: Mm. Yeah. And what has, what has fasting looked like for you? Um, Is that something daily? Is that something you do once a week or like, how have you kind of used fasting as a health tool
0: for you? No, I, I did use it uh, at some point quite a bit. Um, intermittent fasting, dry fasting, when I was already quite hydrated on fruits. So that means no, nothing, right? For 12 hours, 8, 16 hours, more, or even 24 hours plus. I would say, though, that I think being consistent every day and implementing your steps consistently is better than... Fasting, you know, I think fasting is, has become so popular, not just because it has great effects, but also because people are overeating and eating the wrong things all the time so Of course, if you do that, yes you 're going to benefit from fasting. but if you find yourself into balance, meaning you eat fruits and fresh food every day and more raw you 're going to need to eat quantity and so if you eat, for example, raw vegan. I think it can be quite dangerous to intermittent fast because you're not going to have enough time to eat your calories. And so you can run into deficiencies, you can run into you know some issues really quickly and under eat. So I would say fasting, everybody today can benefit from one day a week. It can be eating one kind of food for a whole day. You know, it can be, you know, just drinking, more juice, drinking more water. I think it's quite crazy that we live in a world where we want weekends for ourselves, but we never give one day a week a rest for our body. Mm. Our body is constantly, constantly, constantly working. So giving ourselves that rest, and that rest is physical, of course, but it's also about giving our, ourselves a break from a screen and from all the worries in our minds and you know, going in nature. So it can look very different depending, we, we need, Fasting is not just physical fast, you know, it's also the mind fast and um, it's holistic. So it's really something for me that I came to really learn about balance and focusing more on doing good and every day a bit better rather than, you know, not managing myself and then suddenly, you know, you binge or you fast you know, that that's, that's quite uh, taxing, I think, on the body. Um, mm-hmm. So again, if someone who doesn't have any strong health issues, just eating early, for example, I love to eat at 5, 6pm, um, giving yourself a rest before you go to bed. And naturally, when you are sleeping, you are fasting, right? So <laughs> you have that window anyway, of 12 hours, but eating early, focusing on Again, fresh food, good food combination, and things like that. I think these 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 go a long way over time.
1: Mm. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So I'd love to shift real quick. I'd love to talk about "Let Us Be Heroes," um, which for people that uh, don't know, something like three hundred and fifty thousand views on YouTube um, over the past what is it? Two years old?
0: Yes, two two and a half. Mm-hmm. Do you want to
1: have here so talk to us about why you made it um and maybe some of the um kind of cliff notes or or uh points you were trying to get across for people that haven't seen it
0: yeah so first of all if you haven't heard of us be heroes it's normal it's not it's not famous or anything <laughs>
1: um so it's kind of famous it's kind of famous
0: <laughs> um well, I would say that to this day, I receive message from people even from across the world saying, oh, we just watched Let Us Be Heroes. Can you talk? And can you do this? And I mean, this is really wonderful stuff that has happened. So Let Us Be Heroes. It doesn't mean that, okay, you go vegan, you, you become a hero. First of all, I want to clarify that. It's, about, it's more of a, of a catchphrase to, to really inspire ourselves to do better and to um, start to unlock our full potential as humans. And I do believe that you can, it's not the only way, but it's the best way to unlock your full potential. I think you do have to go plant based. Um, You do have to be conscious about your relationships to nature, to the planet, and of course to the animals. So I think veganism is something really, really important that people should consider and should think about and should discuss, definitely. So Let Us Be Heroes really it's, uh, started because I was giving all these talks and I realized that I could only reach so many people. And so I decided to make a short film based on my talk. I, in the beginning it was, okay, let's, maybe I should have a video, let's, you know, record one of my talks and put it online. And then I realized that could be boring. And I'm not a YouTuber. I don't have the patience of sitting down every day doing one video a day. Like that's not my thing. Um, but interestingly, it's my thing to sit down for months and months. <laughs> 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 so it's really funny. But um, so let, so I I thought okay, let me make you know forty minutes film based on my talks. But instead of just me speaking, I'm going to invite people who have different stories and perspective to, um, to share their journey. For me, what is really, really important all the time is representation and diversity. So it was really important that I have the same amount, pretty much the same amount of women and men, um, that I have a diversity of backgrounds as well. Um, and so, and so that's how it, it started. And because I had been given this talk at that point for a year and a half, my script was already very, very fluid. And I already know, okay, this is how I'm going to build it. And then I'm going to invite my friend, Luktan, who's an um, athlete. His wife is an ultra runner. They're both vegan for a long time now. Um, and these people perform really at the peak of, you know, what they can do physically. Um, I cannot imagine what it is to run ultras. <laughs> you know <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they have been for a long time i wanted them to share their journey um because luke also was a bodybuilder and he was eating kilo of meat every day or five kilo meat a week or something like really insane amount of animal products um but also invited my friends peter peter hamestead from sea shepherd to share also some of their stories because i really felt at that point that um, the issues of our oceans is really underrepresented. We really never talk about it. And now, thankfully, with conspiracy, we're finally talking about it. Um, and um, funnily enough, like that happened so quickly and so effortlessly. I, I think, let us be heroes, it, it's really one month, 30 days of work, of sitting down and working. Wow. And um, yeah, so that happened so quickly and effortlessly, I thought oh, okay, <laughs> maybe I should make more films. <laughs> maybe, because I, I do believe in the flow. I think in life, when things come to you with an ease, I'm not saying it's easy and you don't have to work, but when it comes to you with an ease and uh, the opportunity comes and doors open and you, know, you receive some support, I think that this is the path that you should explore more. Mm. You know, not it pours fast, out, it pours out. Yeah. It does. And, you know, it flows. And so I call this the flow. And so when this the flow in your life, I think this is where you should go. Go explore instead of, you know, going against things that are so hard and complicated and heartbreaking over and over and over. Like, this is not the, the path for us. Um, so I I actually asked Base News to put it on their channel because... By the way, everything I do is for free. I'm not monetizing any of that. So I, th- I asked them, well, you have a following. I don't. Uh, why don't, can I put uh, the film, can we put the film on your channel? And they accepted. And so that was very, very nice of them as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's been going really well. I think at that time, I really put it out. And then two months later, I was already working on something else. So I never really... Try to push it or promote it. um, This 350k views and plus, and it's growing every day slowly. I never put one dollar in promotion or advertisement. I never ran one ad about "Let Us Be (laughs) Heroes." So, considering that it's all organic and that the the messages, the feedback has always been really positive. um, Yes, it it has fulfilled its uh, its its purpose, I would say, um, of inspiring some people. It's, it's a really great format, uh, actually, for schools and for people in the lunch hour. So here I've done a lot of screenings in Singapore, at Google, at Facebook, in some universities where the film is 40 minutes, and then it allows us time, actually, to have a discussion. So it turns out to be uh, really, really good.
1: Mm, yeah, and are there any, if you had to kind of, like succinctly give a few of the, the main points that you're trying to get across. Again, for people that um, haven't seen it, what would you kind of highlight?
0: I think the main point is that when, uh, I mean, not one thing is going to solve all the problems. Being vegan is not going to solve all the problems in the world and it's not meant to do that. It's meant to minimize the suffering of the animals and to not create more violence to the animals in the first place, in the best of our own capacity. It's not about being perfect. It's not, being, it's not about being a purist. It's not about feeling you know, superior to others um, or anything like that. But for me, what I see that it is, it's a very, very strong core value that is connected to how we treat ourselves, how we treat the world, how we treat the animals. It's the same thing. For me, it's absolutely the same thing. It's really about looking, looking at the way we live that is more aligned with who we are. And when we are more aligned with who we are, it just so happens. Whether you can look at it as thinking, "Wow, what's a coincidence? What's best for the planet and for the animals is also best for our health." Uh, but no, it's, it's it's by design. It's by design. Uh, this planet is not made for seven point five flesh-eating primates. Um, we are not meant, the, 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 the product that come out of suffering are not promoting health in the human body, physical health or mental health. So it's all connected. So I think what I, what I try to achieve with the LSB heroes is to understand the connection without that and seeing people who have healed and who have improved their health and who function um, better and who are also passionate about their mission by taking that step and, of course, taking the further step of taking action. And that can look very different for different people.
1: Mm, Yeah, I love it. I always think when I hear it, I always think, you know, here's this opportunity to be like the hero in my own story and the hero for my own health. And by doing that, also, you know, being this hero for animals and being this hero for the planet we live on, and becoming more of a hero for your loved ones and the people in your life because you show up, you know, more vibrant and and certainly for me, calmer and more understanding and more compassionate. So you just become like the hero of your story um, all while kind of the hero for the animals and the planets. That's how I've always thought about it when I've heard you talk.
0: And that's beautiful, but I also want to clarify that being a hero in that context does not mean that you are a savior and that you are better than others
1: Mm -hmm. or
0: that you are this extraordinary person. A hero is an ordinary person who decides to take action for greater good and sometimes selflessly. And sometimes when you take an action that is selfless, it comes back in your life in a way that is really beautiful and supports your growth. So, you know, we live in this paradigm today where we think that taking and keeping to ourselves is the best way to live. And I'm glad to see that there is some kind of shift, whether you're jaded or how jaded you are, you can agree or disagree with that. But I do see a shift in people understanding that actually fulfillment comes in giving and taking decisions that are more selfless. So this is what Let Us Be Heroes is about. It's about that calling in ourselves. Let's reconnect to our hearts. Let's just listen to our heart more. Um, we need facts and science and you know, intellectual intelligence, but we need emotional intelligence. We need both. We cannot keep suppressing our emotions. And back to, again, become like reconnecting back to who we are as kids. Emotions are our superpower. After millions of years of evolution, Nature has selected empathy as a human trait. We have emotion, we are built with it. It means it's there for a reason. It's really, really important that we are in tune with them. Mm.
1: Yeah, and I will ditto like the science piece. Like there's, we're so focused on the science that you're right, we suppress. Like, Like, do we need science to tell us like that this food is healthy and that's not? Or can we actually just intuitively know that and, and see how that feels. So like, I think the science is amazing, but it's also like, do we really need like 7,000 studies telling us that like, you know, taking deep breaths improves our health? Like, you know, (laughs) I agree.
0: I agree. And we need 7,000 studies to tell us that animals feel pain. Yeah, Exactly. Exactly. So, so, so that's the thing, and, and I think we—I I would say—we pride ourselves as being oh, science, etc. But <laughs> the truth is, people also don't listen to science. You know, science tells us that animals feel pain. Science tells us that we have emotions that, and mental health and all that stuff. You know, we know a lot. We are not just very wise at listening and at uh, taking action based on that knowledge. Mm.
1: Yeah, totally. So you have been in Singapore a number of years, Asia, obviously like 15 plus years. Singapore in particular has kind of become like this center of the world. It feels like for clean meat and and plant-based meats and all these like interesting startups that are going on. Um, What what have you seen like over the past five years or so um, in terms of Uh, the growth of the plant-based scene and has that like startup culture, is it trickling out to restaurants there and everything? How has that sort of changed over the years?
0: It has been really, really accelerating. And to this day, today I cannot keep up with the innovation and what's coming up. Mm -hmm. I cannot keep up really. I'm also focusing personally at the moment on another topic. So I'm not so invested into food innovation. But of course, you know, we have friends and we have friends in the different sectors, investors, et cetera. And uh, I cannot keep up with the level of innovation and things that are happening here. I would say that, um, yes, it's been really accelerating, not just the options. So one big turning point was when this French guy, Jérôme Panier, who was heading the FNB at Grand Hyatt in Singapore. And he was the first one to launch Beyond Meat. Um, Beyond Meat truck, Beyond Meat Burgers, etc. So he really, he's uh, an ethical vegan. He's moved back to Europe and he really um, pushed really hard um, within the Hyatt brand to be the first one in Singapore and Southeast Asia, actually, to launch Beyond Meat. And that really opened the door to just egg coming next, um, you know, Green Monday expanding as well. I think again, back to what, what one individual can do, can really have deep ripple effects. And so I think that, that that's one big part. And the other thing is that Singapore is a very small island and everything is imported. So in terms of food security, the government is betting on having 30% of food locally grown by 2030, which is tomorrow. So yeah, so there's a strong support from the government, strong focus as well to secure, you know, how are we going to feed people and how can we be more self-reliant rather than relying on, you know, imports, etc. So that is conducive to, of course, a lot of support from the government as well, a lot of subsidies, a lot of, you know, um, actually, yeah, support to. Um, food uh, food tech innovations, etc. There's a great product called Tyndall that came out just recently. It's a plant-based chicken. It's doing really well. People are embracing this more and more. So nowadays, it's very easy to find options almost everywhere. And it's also reviving this um, culture, this vegetarianism culture that has been around for a very long time. And, you know, mock meats in Asia, it's not something new at all or tofu you know as a soy protein etc it's not new but it has been reviving all this stuff as well um so you also you have small like hawker hawker stalls that are you know launching okay pure vegetarian food for example now there's not a lot of them but it is happening from the hawker to fine dining Uh, chefs are also becoming more open to um having a vegan menu etc so it is becoming normalized and it's great that said i would like to see more um, fresh whole foods for now it's very very reliant on palm-based meats um, and then there's the launch of um, just as well the lab-grown chicken so that has been really uh, you know a big splash in the news Um, So, yeah, I would like to see more Whole Foods. I would like to see uh, something else. Uh, There's um, this great brand called Carana. Um, They are launching responsibly sourced jackfruit as a product ready to use for chefs um, and potentially, I don't know, but maybe in the future for retail as well. So I would like to see more of that. You know, like what do we do with banana waste or, you know, byproducts of agriculture? Uh, That would be great to see.
1: Mm. Well, it is very exciting, no doubt about that. And it does like make so much sense for a place like Singapore because like you guys don't even have the option to, if you're gonna bring all your food and, and make it in Singapore locally, like you don't even have the option to raise animals. Like that's that's no. out of the ballgame. You don't have, you don't have the land to do it anyway. Um, no. But yeah, it's super exciting and it's been fun like watching from afar. Um, I'm like, oh man, I want to, I want to go visit and, and try some of these things. Um, but, um, we are, we're getting, we're getting high on time here. So I only got a couple more for you. Um, what I love to ask is to somebody listening that wants to lead a healthier, more compassionate life, uh, they want to wake up tomorrow and, and start making a change and heading that direction. Um, what would you say to them?
0: Well, I would say number one is eat more fruits. I cannot say that enough. So, you know, start your breakfast, choose one fruit that you really like that is accessible right in season and just have a lot of quantity of that fruit. That's really something that will bring a lot of health and a lot of beautiful things in your life. So that's number one. And um, I think we are all unique. We all have unique skills and preference and things that make us happy. So it's about really tapping into those skills and see how can my skills, how can I use my skills to find a way of living that is going to make myself happier, but also be of, of service. And personally, I always feel like I don't do enough. And I always feel like, so that's maybe something that I'm going to feel my whole life, no matter what I do. Um, but starting where we are, and doing the best we can right where we are, right at that moment is really, really important. And we can only be conscious of that again if our body is not busy fighting some kind of, you know, um, imbalance and problem. And also of course if our minds are open and calm enough to embrace, you know, to, to open to others. So obviously meditation is really important or you know, when I say meditation, it can be being more in nature. It can be slowing down. It can be just, you know, being mindful of being present in the moment. It doesn't have to mean that you have to sit down under a tree for hours and hours on end. Um, I think things are accelerating. People can become conscious very quickly and more. So um, being interested and open to new ideas and really, really Keeping learning on, on, keep educating ourselves on topics that are painful. One thing that I think we don't do very well right now is we are afraid of having uncomfortable uh, conversations. And you see that even in plant-based movements, that people are reluctant to discuss animals. How can we discuss entire industries that are built on the exploitation of animals? without talking about the animals. We need to talk about the animals. We need to really look at what we are doing. We need to have these uncomfortable um, moments and conversation. We need to watch some footage that is disturbing. We need to hear and open ourselves. And only then when we are aware, then what we need to do will be really, really evident.
1: Yeah, that's that's beautifully said. So where can, where can people follow you? Where can they, um, yeah, where can they follow everything, everything you're doing and talks you do, et cetera?
0: Um, so I'm mostly active on Instagram at Let Us Be Heroes, The talks that I give, I give them for free. So anyone can reach me, for example, if you want me to talk on Zoom or, um, I mean, obviously for outside of Singapore, but even now in Singapore. Um, So I can talk for free to your school, to your business. Um, I can also do that, of course, in Singapore as well, uh, in person, if this is, uh, I don't know if it's allowed these days. I mean, it's, you know, rules keep changing all the time. But yeah, I am available to talk anytime. And um, yeah, Let Us Be Heroes is on YouTube uh, for free. And uh, I am working on, um, let's say, a a feature film, a feature documentary that I will be able to share more about in the next coming months. So stay tuned.
1: (laughs) That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, shout out to you before we sign off here. you know, you, the, the energy and positivity you put out into the world is incredible. Your work's incredible. Your first film was incredible. The second one's going to be absolutely incredible. And, um, yeah, I just totally, totally appreciate you and, and just give you massive kudos for, I'm sure all the lies you've touched, whether it's, it's speaking or it's, just having a conversation with somebody or going to a school or whatever it is Um, obviously we share uh very similar missions and um it's just a beautiful thing to see everybody's different way of doing it and um and you're just a shining example of of you know the the right way to do it and 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 you're 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 changing lives whether you think you are or you aren't and i know when you're working on something like a, like a documentary or a film or um, a business in my case, like the down times and the slow times can be really frustrating and and can bring you down when things aren't moving forward as fast as you'd like. Um, And you can forget almost why you started. And um, I hope you, um, you know, stay energized, you know, as you do this next film and all that you're doing and, um, yeah, so thank you. Thank you for taking the time and thank you for everything you
0: do. Uh, thank you for having me. And I think one last thing I would say for everyone listening is uh, these times are really challenging, but this is the time to rise. This is the time to be happy and to find the joy in what we are doing and to build resilience and not let ourselves go down to this you know, low vibration and fear and discor- being discouraged. We need to fight more than ever. And that might look different for every one of us, but we need to rise up and do do our part. Mm.
1: I love it. Thank you, Rebecca.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much.